Today's reading comes from John, chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Thank you, Cindy, and thank you so much uh, to Steve Ramp. Was that not inspirational? Wow. Um, I am so grateful uh, to hear stories about uh, our church's generosity, which spills into all kinds of areas, but it was just so poignant to hear Steve talk about what happened with the church a block away. Most churches that are only a block away are kind of Maybe like competing or something, you know. But I, I love the fact that we um, that we did that, that God used us in that way. Now, I want you to do something before I get started uh, today. And that is, I want you to share with the people around you. And you can't use Westminster now, but here's a question. And, and if you're a, a guest here, if you haven't been here, that's okay. You can listen, put somebody on the spot. But here's what I want you to address. What does Parkway Heights do to love our neighbor? What do we do to love our neighbor? So I want you to share the first thing that comes to your mind right now. I'll give you three minutes before I get started. Okay, all right, so share, share what you heard. What did you hear? What did you say? Woodley, Woodley. that's right. That's right, Woodley and outreach. Um, how do we love Woodley? Backpacks, children who are hungry go home on the weekend and have food. They come back ready to learn. And uh, yes, with, that's right. What, what else? What's that? Open door. That's right. Where all are welcome and just dozens. How many recovery groups do we have meeting right now a week, David? 
You know, so seven different types of groups so where, where folks can come and join together. Yes. What else? Hattiesburg High School. That's right. Going in there and, and uh, have a really neat relationship with the, with the band and with others and with teachers. And just this last week, I believe, um, we, we had a big meal with uh, some teachers. What else? Fieldhouse. Every third Sunday... Um, we go, we, we feed, we, someone goes um, from our church once a month to share the good news with folks who are homeless in our area. Yes. Boy Scouts, another great way to love our neighbor. Kids, uh, boys uh, and girls and Girl Scouts can come and share and learn together. That's right. What else? Thousands of prayers for the Evans family. Yes, we love by praying. You remember, we pray with each other to connect our lives with them and with God through them and with them through God. And thousands of prayers go up. That's love. Meals on wheels. And how many of you do, are those here that do that each week? Anybody? Okay. It's not just about the food, is it? It is about the food because people are hungry, but it's about the connection, checking in on people, and that is love. Yep. Bread basket, absolutely. What else? Edward Street, yes. Yes, this, um, you might have seen Sid Collins' quote that our building is the Swiss pocket knife um, of, of our lives here. That in and out, folks are welcome to come. Groups from southern and other areas of the community can come here and be welcome and to meet and to gather. That is love. Early encounters, that's right. Giving about 200 children a safe, good place to learn and get a good start in life. Yes. I'm sorry? Homebound communion, yes. And the list goes on and on and on. Today, we're just going to talk for a few minutes. It's going to be a brief sermon about making a difference together to love our neighbor. Last week, it was making a difference together for each other. But now it's like it's outward focused, right? We're focusing out and I want you to know that as you consider, prayerfully consider what God is calling you to give, our pledge cards, that that is what we're investing in. We are investing together, making a difference together. We're, investig- we're, we're investing in neighborly love, and it is so critical. Uh, just just a, a quick update. We received 65 pledge cards this past Sunday. You can certainly turn one in this Sunday or next Sunday, all members and friends of Parkway Heights are, are welcome to do that. And it really um, helps us get a feel for next year, what we can do and how to plan. So very, very important. Thank you to the 65 who turned theirs in. And we hope that others uh, will do that the next week or so. Making a difference for our neighbors. A couple things we didn't uh, mention, but I want to um, share. And that is, I see Fred Curry standing in the back. My friend Fred, who spends so much of his time in Costa Rica, and you talk about making a difference for our neighbors. I've been a part of that before, Fred, and I know other people in this church have been. But it is as simple as knocking on doors and offering rice, beans, and a prayer of blessing. 
And it's so amazing how most of the time it's the most simple things in life that make the deepest impact. And I can, I'm a witness to the fact, Fred, that I know God is doing a mighty and wonderful thing through neighborly love, literally knocking on doors. And we're praying for you, Fred, and we thank God. We thank God for you. So last week it was about abundance. And I'm ex- we're extending the story Last week was the first part of our story, so I'm preaching on the sequel here. But the first part was that they were in a boat, right? And Jesus, when the sun is coming up, Jesus is on the side. The resurrected Christ is looking. He says, have you caught any fish? They said, no. Try the other side. They throw the nets on the other side, and they have so much abundance. And when they experience the abundance, that is when they recognize the resurrected Lord on the beach Peter gets so excited, he jumps in, right? Swims the length of a football field, comes out and meets Jesus right there at the fire. They bring 153 fish to, uh, to the fire there, but Jesus is already cooking some fish and some bread before they even get there. Maybe Jesus had already done a little fishing that morning. I don't know. But the point is that Jesus already had bread and fish barbecuing right there for the first breakfast. He provided for them and then invited them, hey, throw your fish on the stack, and they did. But now the whole group centers around one person, and that's Peter. Jesus has one of the most intense and maybe uncomfortable conversations in the entire Bible. Just like Sid said, Peter, do you love me? Oh yeah, Peter, I love you. Now, In the Greek, Jesus asks, Peter, do you agape me? Which is the highest form of love. And then Peter responds, yes, I phileo you. Which is sort of like, I'm fond of you, Jesus. I'm a big fan. Peter, do you agape me? Of course, Jesus. I'm I'm, I'm fond of you. You know I do. Peter, do you love me? And that's when Peter got upset a little bit. Got put on the spot in front of all his disciples. But it's kind of like Steve Ramp talked about the fact that uh, when he quoted Kierkegaard, talking about sometimes we don't understand things until we look back. I hope it occurred to Peter, and I hope he remembered about the charcoal fire, the other charcoal fire before. And what was that all about? Just a few days before, Peter was asked three other questions. And what was the question? Go ahead, blurt it out. Yeah, well, sort of, Vicky. This is what's interesting. In John, they asked Peter, aren't you one of his disciples? And what does Peter say? No. Somebody else says, aren't you one of his disciples? Didn't you follow Jesus? No. Question three. Aren't you one of his disciples? In John, it says, and he finally says no. I hope that Peter remembered that time, and maybe the three questions were about the undoing. In John, it's about the undoing of his denial. In John, Peter does not uh, deny Jesus. He denies his own discipleship. He denies that he ever followed Jesus. And my goodness to me, that, that definitely hits home. How many times do we... Maybe not by a charcoal fire, but how many times do we say, I've got nothing to give Jesus. I'm just a nobody. Jesus can't use me. No, I'm, 
I can hardly follow, I can hardly get out of bed in the morning, much less follow Jesus. And we continue to shy away from that. And Jesus leans in and says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, yes, and yes. And what what does Jesus say? Feed my sheep, tend my sheep, and feed my sheep. Jesus is recommissioning Peter, but y'all, he is recommissioning every single one of us. Who among us here has not denied our own discipleship, our own following of Christ? There are lots of days during the week that I'll go through the week, and it's a bad week. Like I missed all my cues, right? I was so busy and had my own agenda that I did not recognize the disguised Jesus before my very eyes. And so on those days, I come back on Sunday, and I worship, and I pray, and I can smell the barbecued fish and the bread, and I can hear Jesus recommission me to say, I will not let you go even after a bad week. Come, take my fish and my bread. And then Jesus asks, what do you have? Ask me to throw some of my fish on the stack. And Jesus says, Bruce, there's hope. I am going to work through you to love this world. And you can insert your name as well. Do you love me, Jesus says to each of us? Yes, Lord, we love you. Then forget about all the talk. I want you to love and feed my sheep. At Woodley, Hattiesburg High, Homebound Communion, Meals on Wheels. I want you to love me with what you have. And every single person in this room has something to give. You've got a talent and a gift and a passion. And God will not leave us alone. And God will not quit calling us to the fire until we have found our God-given gifts. Because in reality, the most important thing about what it means to be a church is how many times we tell people, my house is your house. Come on in. That's what counts. Don't tell me, Peter, that you love me. Show me. And Peter did. After Jesus gave him, uh, after Jesus talked with Peter, it was like he was a different person. He began to speak out when before he was afraid to speak. He began to heal people, others, Like Jesus healed. So powerful was Peter's presence that people sat on the side of the road and they just hoped that his shadow would cross. Now that's power. He discovered, Peter did, that when we get so lost in the love of God, we almost forget our fears and we are ready to work in love. It says in the New New Testament, perfect love casts out all fears. I think for a lot of us, it's just about a lack of imagination. I get kind of burnt out and get in sort of the tunnel vision. Mark Twain said that once. said, it's not that our eyes are not focused. It's that our imagination is not focused. And maybe all of us need to do the hard work about what, what's my fish? What do I have to give? Not only to this church, but to this world and to my family and to strangers, even to my enemies. What do I have to give? And how is God calling me to love? Mary Oliver, who wrote um, 
the summer day a poem. She said, tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? And that is discipleship. That's a question of discipleship and stewardship. How does God, is God calling you to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? And when we ask that, we are asking basic discipleship questions. In a recent book, The Five Invitations, written by an owner of a, a geriatric uh, hospital and hospice in the San Francisco area, um, Fred, the author, talks about the time when a 14-year-old kid walks in, walks to the nurse's station. He had green and purple hair, and his nose, his ears, his cheeks, everything was pierced. His arms were tattooed, his legs were tattooed, parts of his neck were tattooed, and he walks in. He walks into the nurse's desk and asks a woman with a clipboard, um, can I help? I want to I help. I want to volunteer. And the woman looked at her, him down her nose, and she gave him a long form. He said, you need to fill this out before you can step in any room. When she gave him the paper, he looked dejected, and he walked slump-shouldered over and the hospice doctor saw him and kind of saw what, what was happening. And so the doctor said, why do you want to volunteer? And that teenage boy said, I want to help old people. Okay, good. Why don't you follow me? I'll let you follow me and we can meet a few of these folks. They walked in the first room and her name was Betty. And Betty was there and they had a conversation and, uh, and all of a sudden, this kid looked at her at the end. He was supposed to be quiet, but he asked her one question. He said, if you could go anywhere in the world right now, if you had the ability to go, where would you go? She looked at him and she smiled. I'd go to Ocean Beach. I would watch the sandpipers one more time fly over the beach. I would want to feel the water over my feet one more time. The doctor thought that was a strange question to ask, but um, he saw the woman's eyes light up, and he allowed this kid to ask the next person, hey, where would you go? And Grace, the next woman, said, I would go back to Bob's Tiki Bar and where I sang on Friday nights and just talk one more time to my good old friends. The doctor chuckled. They walked to the next one. The, uh, the last guy, his name was Don, said, where would, you, where, would you, where would you want to go if you could go anywhere? And the guy said, you know, I would, I would love to go back to my home in South San Francisco where I grew up. There's a beautiful, there used to be a beautiful treehouse there. And they agreed after their visits that they would meet again the next week to visit. And that little 14-year-old kid, that boy, went to Ocean Beach and he took out his iPhone and he videotaped the horizon, and he pointed it down to his feet where the water rushed over his feet. And he videotaped the sandpipers run back and forth from the ocean. He went to Bob's Tiki Bar, and he asked the people, hey, do y'all know Betty who used to sing here? Oh, yeah, sure do. And they all sang together, I got friends in low places. He went to that man's house, 
the people, the residents there were unsure to let him in. But they decided to let him in. And they saw him videotape all the rooms. And he went back. And the, the tree house was still there. That next week, that young, purple, and green-haired boy came in and had a film festival at Laguna Beach Hospice. And there wasn't a dry eye in the room. After that day, he disappeared. They never saw him again. But I hope I have the imagination that that kid has when it comes to loving other people. It's not about what you have. It's about what you give. It's not about what you say around a charcoal fire. It's what you commit to do. It's not about what color hair you've got or if you have hair at all. It's about feeding sheep and tending sheep. That's what church is all about. Every Sunday, we meet together in this place beside the second charcoal fire, not the first one, so that we can remember not to forget about, forget about our mistakes in the past, but to think about what God's future is for us and how we can share that together. Put all our fish together, and if it's an iPhone and a film festival, if it's whatever you've got, it's about your imagination coming into focus to please to delight in other people and in God. So often, it's not that we lack in our faith in God. It's that we lack our faith that God believes in us. And I'm here to tell you that God believes in you, and that is a big part of the good news. God believes in us, and Christ is counting on us. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I do. I'm a big fan. Peter, do you love me? Of course, Lord, I do. Peter, do you love me? You know I love you. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. If Jesus can turn water into wine, and if Jesus can feed 5,000 with a sack lunch, just imagine what Jesus can do through you. Let's pray. Lord God, in so many ways, all of us have been skeptical about our own discipleship. We're not good enough. We don't know enough scripture. We've made all kinds of excuses by the charcoal fire. God, take away every excuse and help us focus on the main thing which is letting you love others through us. God, use our imagination to tend your sheep at this church so that we might love our neighbors as you have loved us. Amen.